0: Cyber intelligence, it's a term you don't hear much about, but that could change in the coming months and years. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Terry Roberts. She's Executive Director for Interagency and Cyber at Carnegie Mellon's University's Software Engineering Institute. Terry edited the just-released paper entitled Cyber Intelligence, Setting the Landscape for an Emerging Discipline, Published by the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, a nonpartisan, not-for-profit think tank in which Terry chairs its cyber council. Welcome, Terry.
1: Hi, Eric. Great. Really great to be here with you today.
0: First off, define cyber intelligence.
1: Well, I, I think it's important to understand that when we use the word intelligence, that we're really talking about knowledge, not just information, and we're not necessarily talking about something that it has to be classified. When we're talking about intelligence as an approach for the cyber arena, it's really about pulling together all information that we know, processing it, analyzing it, and providing unclassified situational awareness and indications of warning to both government and industry.
0: What in that is not being done now?
1: I would say we're very sophisticated on the government side in the classified arena because of all the great work that Department of Defense and the intel community has done over the last decade. But because it's very high-end and highly classified, it's difficult to disseminate that broadly across the U.S. government and then to industry. What we're not doing is really applying those intelligence techniques and tradecraft to the unclassified arena. Think about it this way. Ninety percent of the infrastructure in the cyber arena is owned by industry, and 90 percent of the information or data that our activity, cyber activity, is in the unclassified arena. But we're not focusing on that realm in a comprehensive, consistent manner so that we can provide unclassified cyber intelligence to all of industry.
0: How do we get into a situation where we're not doing that? Is it just because it's something, the recent developments with, uh, when I say recent, the past few years of major breaches, things like that, that has gained attention? Or are there more serious consequences that people are becoming aware of?
1: I think there's a lot of good reasons. First of all, it's really a realm that has only existed for a decade. We're still trying to understand how how it works how to talk about it, how to think about it, and how to approach it. And that's really what, what this paper is starting to do. This paper is not meant to be the definitive treatise on the subject. It's really meant to sort of to talk about the larger landscape and the implications of cyber threat dynamics and then to start to get us to discuss the more private-public partnership approaches that we can put in place. It also doesn't exist because there are, I think, still some legal and protocol boundaries to working this across industry. It's very difficult to share um, key, timely information from government to industry and from industry to government. But I think there are some real initiatives that we can begin to pilot and work so that we can slog through some of these critical roadblocks that are keeping us from making sort of those bow weight changes and improvements.
0: Is there one roadblock that's more serious than others?
1: Um, I have an initiative that that we've been working that that I'm trying to see that if we can get at some of these issues. So, for instance, I think the the DIP pilot work, the defense industrial-based pilot work, that DOD, Cyber Command, OSD have been working with the defense industrial-based partners in the great beginning. So it's that idea of starting to share information from government to industry and industry to government. That has been an important step, but then it becomes how do you set that up in a way that it can scale so that it's 24 by 7, so that it's online, and so that it's not just um, limited to the defense industrial base but it can actually help US industry as a whole and I think the only way you can do that is truly to have a um, a mechanism like a trusted third- party uh, nonprofit agent that acts as that interlocutor between uh, government and industry and and why is that necessary because you um, Government, it's difficult for them to share classified information. And industry is concerned about sharing information um, about threats on their networks because their corporate reputation is potentially at risk. So there will never be complete trust between government and industry in this realm. But I think you can have a third-party entity that can have that trust of both parties and can be that nexus where this um, cyber intelligence can take place, unclassified cyber intelligence, uh, collection of information, processing of information, unclassified and analytics and reporting that then can be shared across industry and government.
0: Now, these third-party entities, could they be – of course, I, I assume they could be more than one –
1: Absolutely. And
0: secondly, they could be, you know, could could they be like profit-making organizations?
1: Um, I don't know if they can be profit um, just because if it is seen as a business as opposed to a service, um, their motivation may not be trusted. So I think it's critical that they be seen as providing uh, a unique, compelling service to a coalition of the willing. So the idea is if they become the place that's known where you can share your information um, and get benefit back to your company or your agency, and that it's the one place where things seem to be coming together, then I think over time you can grow that coalition um, into a broader partnership.
0: Now, could this be industry-based? I mean, could something like the existing ISACs be used and expanded for this purpose?
1: To me, there's two levels. There's the information-sharing mechanism that exists today, the ISACs, the DCCC, UX cert, some of them government, some of them industry, um, that are critical, okay, what I'm more interested in is the value of that information. And that's where cyber intelligence comes in. So just sharing information back and forth um, really may not be providing you the unique and timely insight that you need. So this is where you get back to sort of that trade craft that we use in the intelligence community that could be applied to the unclassified arena, where it's really about the so what of that information, the combination of all pieces of information. And then what does that mean to providing you insight on how you can prepare your networks, what you should be looking for, how you can better protect them, how we can build more resilient architectures. So building that body of knowledge as opposed to be. uh, maintaining a reactive and just very current issue-oriented approach means that we can't get ahead of the game, as we have done in many other areas, leveraging intelligence tradecraft and the geopolitical realm and the scientific and technical realm. So this is really about raising that bar in knowledge and insight. And then you can provide that reporting to the ISACs who can then use their information-sharing mechanisms to get it out.
0: Is there a role for government in this, besides just being a model?
1: I think there is. Frankly, there's much that the government is working on to get its own capabilities in place to effectively protect its DOD.mil networks and its interagency.gov networks. So there's a lot of work that they're doing in in that realm. I think if they enable the creation of this nonprofit, third-party, private-public partnership entity, then what we can do, because what we we often do right now in the cyber realm, because of the, the complicated legal issues that result, is we often hit brick walls before we've even tried something. So that's why I like piloting approaches with the lawyers in the room so that you can start doing it at a low level, come across the issues that you need to address, see if it's something that can be worked by directive changes or whether you actually need changes in statutes. And I think government setting up these mechanisms, steering groups, I don't think we have enough Permanent bodies that work between government and industry to have these discussions, to vet these issues, and to run combined initiatives.
0: So, would this be something similar to NSTEC, the uh, Trusted Internet Connection Initiative that was announced last spring, I believe?
1: It is. What I hope it would help us to do is to get out of the each of a lot of separate initiatives and also you know, so that you have sort of an umbrella over a body of initiatives because they're all related and connected and we're often not seeing those connections because we're working some of these things separately. I think, yes, it it is similar too, but hopefully it gives you more of that empirical data on the threat environment so that as you make these decisions on how to have a more assured network environment, you're doing it based on a real body of knowledge and real empirical data, as opposed to anecdotal, you know, this is the last attack, now we need to do this. Again, that sort of reactive cycle so that we never really catch up.
0: What are some of the skills that would be needed to grow cyber intelligence as a field to battle cyber threats?
1: That's a great question. It's actually very multidisciplinary, and it's one of the things that I'm most interested in, in doing in some of our next papers um, that we're working on, which is in, in the intelligence community, what we often do is we bring in people from different backgrounds to come at a particular problem. In the beginning of the nuclear age, you brought in people with the technical body of knowledge, and then you brought in people with body of knowledge, on that particular adversary, the culture, the leadership, right, and you brought it all together so that you would have a 360 view. We we haven't been doing that in the cyber realm. Um, Many non-technical folks say, eh, that's cyber, it's technical, I have nothing to do with it, when actually in cyber intelligence you need analytic kinds of folks. You need people who understand the, the network environment, so have an operational background. You need people who have a technical background, who understand the specifics of particular attack vector or a fraud approach or sabotage approach that's being used. And those folks together need to be looking at the data, analyzing it, and coming up with the so what, the impact of what it is that they're seeing today and on what that means for the future. The beauty is it's a lot of the skill sets we have, but it's really more about the approach of how do you integrate those skill sets into an end-to-end process. And I don't think we define an end-to-end cyber intelligence process that talks about defining the threat sectors, talking and, and writing about the impact the environment, pulling together what are the data sets that give us insight to that activity, talking about where the gaps are in data that we may not have, that we could have, how do you process that in real time so that it's not manpower intensive, and then how do you run your analytics, are there tools and approaches that we have out there today but they aren't being integrated, and then what's the end-to-end reporting mechanism that you need to have, uh, you know, spot reports, uh, daily report, trend reports, again, all at the unclassified level that you can get out to folks.
0: What happens next?
1: My intent in sort of pulling this team together to, to write this paper was to make the discussion a little more uh, 360, comprehensive, higher level, so that brilliant people in, uh, in government and industry could be coming together to have these discussions. And so hopefully in our follow-on papers and follow-on forums and discussions, we can start to truly define the dynamics of this environment, the need for a cyber intelligence discipline, not just at the classified level, but at the unclassified level, and the need to set up the processes and procedures for doing this work, and a private public partnership that could actually be that nexus between government and industry so that we can make marked improvement as opposed to incremental improvements. We need to get ahead of the threat and we're not going to do that until we have a more comprehensive approach with the right people with the right skill sets and the right practice.
0: Any time frame on this?
1: The good thing is this really isn't rocket science. We have a good technical body of knowledge. We have people with this background. We are actually working some pilots right now where we can prove or disprove some of the or refine some of these approaches. I think within a year or two, we could actually have the private-public partnership established with the beginnings of an unclassified cyber intelligence approach. Thank you, Terry. Sure.
0: That's Terry Roberts, Executive Director for Interagency and Cyber at Carnegie Mellon University Software Engineering Institute and editor of the just-published paper, Cyber Intelligence, Setting the Landscape for an Emerging Discipline. From the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, where she is the Cyber Council Chair, I'm Eric Chabro for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.